I eventually find that, found out that he wasn't mine. How old was the boy at the time? He was two. Yeah, two and a few months. I think four months or so. No, three months. Yeah, two and three months or so. <sighs> Where do we even start from? Nothing is more painful than finding out that the child you raised for two years is not your child. This is Letters to Boys podcast, where Larry is currently sharing his story about being a vindicated baby daddy. If you haven't listened to the sexcapade episode, the help she's pregnant episode, and the baby mama drama, please stop this right now and go listen to those three episodes in that particular order. Then come back to this one to listen if you want to have a clearer picture of what is going on. So, without further ado, let's meet Larry. A linguist, lazy writer, rusty bassist, <laughs> premium voice of a talent, a photographer, and an amazing human being. Okay, so what led to you? How exactly did it happen that you found out that he wasn't yours? What exactly transpired? What went wrong at the time? At that time, I was in service. I had, I think, barely one month or so to go, or two months-ish to round off my service year. I was in Oshun State, Ibushubu. We're already talking about him starting school. That's in September of that year. But because I had not gotten the money and all of that, and how much was allowed at that time? 1988 at the time. So he could just barely take me to work and feed me for a month and all of that. So I really didn't have much to, to take care of him. So I was like, okay, I would do some extra jobs. Fortunately for me, I had a job opening in Lagos, a photography job. So I had traveled down to Lagos to do the job. It was a weekend, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was a weekend. She had left my folks' place at the time. I was working somewhere else. So she had come around to take him to spend the weekend supposedly with her. Me, ma, I didn't tell them I was coming to Lagos to for the job I was coming to do. My own budget was I'll come to Lagos because I collect money for the job. I'll wire it to the school Monday morning and tell them to take him to school. Only for me to hear his mom took him and she hasn't returned him. She was supposed to return him on Saturday or something or you know, Sunday afternoon. And she hasn't, she did not answer their calls. So I kept calling myself till I got to, till I got back to Ushugu from Lagos that fateful day so eventually she answered my call and was like, I was like okay so what is the problem like this child is supposed to start school and all of that and this and that so why why did you not return into the house and i was like eh, she's not she doesn't think she's going to return him anymore and i'm like what happened so she, eh, something happened what happened did moto jamming did he have actually what happened said eh, she she had doing she had bottled it up over the last few years and especially in the last one year her conscience did not let her rest okay what is the matter what happened uh, the thing is it's not mine what and my brain just <laughs> my brain first melts <laughs> god knows that if she had told me to my face i probably would have killed her and I'm just very, very glad that she did not tell me to my face. Um, that's that. That's my major testimony from that day that she did not. She did say it to my face. It was over the phone. I was livid. Like I, I don't think I'd felt that kind of anger surge through me in my entire life. You know, when you all these things you see in movies, 
where you yeah. break things and all of that that was the one time i felt angry to that point where i i felt like breaking and smashing and destroying everything around me jesus christ then she reminded me of an affair that she had with somebody which was supposed to be it was a one-time thing apparently the one-time thing stayed so that was how i found out and we kept going back and forth over it police today police tomorrow drama in the house plenty unnecessary trouble so we eventually went for a paternity test and it was proven that it was not mine ah. right now so i return to myself i'm so i can say i'm no longer a father <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> like I say, I'm I'm no longer your father, but I've tasted it. <laughs> I mean, I can talk about it, I laugh about it now, but man, I couldn't some years ago. I could not even until two years ago. I couldn't, and I have not even set my eyes on him in over two years now because I can't. I can't even bring myself. It was crazy, man. It was crazy. It was crazy, and I was like, so I put almost three years of my life into raising a child that was not mine and it wasn't like it was convenient for me at the time i was in between school service and all of those things that the whole drama the whole shame the talk the the pain the suffering the sleepless nights the everything every i, I just was like for real and you know those the kind of things you see in nollywood this was Nollywood happening to me. <laughs> oh, goodness. It was Nollywood happening to me. You know, and it just goes to show that you actually can never know the heart of man completely, you know. You think you've heard the last of it? Just wait for it. Let me bust your bubble. The very first statement she uttered as that child came out of behind that delivery room that night was, is he your son? Yes, in the exact words, is he your son? The very first words that came out of her mouth, the moment that boy came out of her, that was the first thing she said. And in my head, I was like, maybe it's all this um, PTSD or something from the pain of delivery and all of that, because I dread stuff like that happens. Mothers sort of um, lose their minds for a bit and all of that because of the pain and whatnot. So I felt that was where it was. So I just held her, squeezed her hand gently and pecked her forehead or kissed her forehead rather and just waved it. It was when the whole drama happened, I was not like, okay, this babe actually knew. Thinking about it now, I was like, man, I was played. It was so crazy. My my home, my family was upside down after the whole of that drama. My mom had developed a very, very, very close relationship and bond with that child that she felt ill for weeks after I was taken away from her. She felt ill, like really ill. I was like, if anything should happen to this woman, this girl will die. She would die. Like I was, <clears throat> I was mad. I was really, really mad that period. Like, funny enough, the kind of love my folks had for him, because they already saw him as stars, you know. They practically raised him while I was away in school and everything. So the bond was stronger for them than for me. So if me, if myself that didn't have that level of bond with him 
people feel the way I felt. Imagine how they must have felt. Did this affect your mental health in any way? I'm trying to get better inside my head and all of that. But I found out, man, all of these things actually did a number on me, on my mind, on my perspective to things. It, it actually did a number on me. I, I think there was this book I read sometime early last year, Healing Your Emotional Self or something. I can't remember the author now. It was then I actually saw our dude, you're damaged. Talking to a few people, some of my really close friends after that experience with that book, we were like, so I did not know. I said, no words. See, all these things were very, very obvious in my life. I tried to get into relationships and whatnot. It affected the, the choice of people I got into relationships with. It affected my self-esteem. It affected so many things. So, so many things. I actually just shoved it. I, you know, I just packed it and buried it somewhere inside my head that I don't visit. I just buried it. I just moved on from it like nothing happened. That was, that was, maybe that was, maybe it's an unhealthy coping mechanism, yeah, but uh, it helped me to an extent, yeah. It helped me, really helped me. I just, I just trashed it and just locked it out. I mean, looking back now, looking back now, like, to be honest, what did this teach you? What did you learn from it? First off, I'd say every instruction or commandment god gave to us as humans not even as christians or whatever now as humans are for our own good it's not out of a place of wanting to dominate or rule us or something it's out of a place of love for us because i mean if i did not go ahead and fornicate i would never have to experience any of these things i'd experienced but then you actually never can tell how far the ripple effect of one night stands or a fling or an affair or something you never can tell how far the ripple effects of such will go this was my own fair share of, <laughs> of the ripple effect secondly as much as possible i mean that was like the only advice i was given as a young man to remember the son of who I am. And sometimes we, we see it as it's one of those many things, those cliches we have, especially in Hollywood and all of those things. Our folks say this thing all the time, you know, not your many tones, you know, and all of those things. The truth is, if we actually remember and put it at the back of our minds all the time, we will not get into certain things. We will not do certain things that we do as young men. Three, it pays to have a mentor somebody that can actually hold your hands through life and guide you to live a proper life it's good to have one early as a guy because the truth is in this part of the world or in fact i don't i don't I don't let me say in this part of the world alone i like to think it's just general knowledge or something for men we were not always prepared for adulthood or something like girls or female children are they always tell you, uh, kid, can, ah, eh, lolly we, we were never told, lolly Do you understand? We were never yeah. told any of those things. We were never told, uh, eh, you should do this, do this, be this. So yeah, so your sons and your children will have something to, we were never told any of those things. We were never, that I, I know plenty young people like myself who, who never knew or were ever told that this was what you would do. This is what you should not do as a man. These are kind of things you should, you know, all those things. We were not prepared for many of those things. So if as a young man, you don't have somebody who you are accountable to, it is disastrous. 
I mean, I'm just glad I did not, my own story wasn't that bad. It wasn't bad, bad, bad. Like if I had had someone hold my hand and walk me through life as a young man, I probably would not have found myself in such scenario. So going back, going back to this guy now, going back to this, this letter, right? Um, this guy that wrote in, what, or how would you advise that he navigates this particular situation that he's in? I mean, he's not sure she's pregnant. He did it. Not sure she's pregnant. He's not ready to be a father. What exactly would you say that he can actually do, like right now where he is and how he can navigate his situation? <laughs> First of all, I'd say to him, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> or oh, is it the fear of pregnancy? <laughs> is the beginning of wisdom yeah because if he feels this way he should already know within himself that it was a wrong deed and he's responsible for his actions and inactions yeah his actions in the sense that he's led to her his inactions in the sense that he did not use protection or anything yeah so he should know that he's responsible for whatever the outcome is and if he's fortunate enough to to not have gotten her pregnant he should take it as a cue to never do it again because as humans we we like to do something once we see that we can get away with it we like to do it over and over again and the truth is like they say one day one day monkey go go market and he'll come back again he should ask himself, did he feel satisfied after doing it? These are questions we actually do not like to answer. We, the truth is we, we do these things because we, we are sort of programmed by the society and things we see and hear and stuff. You, don't, you, you can't fornicate and be satisfied afterwards. It's, it's not possible. So and the, the more you do it, the more you are, you are creating that vacuum inside of yourself that you would never be able to feel because you keep feeling it with the wrong things. Like looking for, and because, because he's, he did it for the first time, somewhere, somewhere inside his head, he will start to equate that feeling to being loved or to, to loving her or something. It's just messed up, really. It's just messed up. It's totally, totally messed up. So basically, he should take it as a cue. If he's fortunate enough that he didn't get her pregnant, he should take it as a cue to never do it again. In the eventful long run, it's for his own good. Mm. Awesome. So what if in the case where she is, she's actually pregnant, what would, what, what would you advise that he does? Oh, well, not everybody will be like me. And he might not have the kind of support system I had. I can't tell him categorically what to do but in all he should make sure he does what is right by both himself the girl and the unborn child so he should take it as a lesson that whatever it is you do there is always a repercussion whether good or bad for what, what final notes would you have for guys that might be listening to this um say for now let's put it into two categories say for guys who are still virgins but who are feeling the pressure like really bad to actually have sex and for guys who are uh steadily i mean sexually active i know what would you say to them like they say abstinence is your best bet yes you are human if you do not feel a sexual urge as a young man then we should we should 
find out what's wrong with you. It's normal, yeah? So you should actually have sexual urges. But then, but then, what you do with it is what matters. I know we don't like to hear this. We don't like to accept it as what is obtainable or what should be obtainable. If, as a young man, you think you will die if you don't have sex, it's a lie. You will not die. <laughs> Konji cannot kill you. Yes. He cannot kill you. He can't. You will have blue balls. Last, last, poor ice pack. You're going to have a cold bath. Your body will come down, you go sleep. We just like to pay attention to it because of peer pressure or whatever. If you have done it and you know deep within you that what you have done is not right, uncle, you can stop. If you have never done it and you feel the urge is crazy, you can't keep yourself talk about it to somebody that you can be accountable to somebody that you know that i know we like for this person and somebody who can walk you through what you're supposed to do and all of that have a system a very robust system of accountability so that you can always be able to find your way out of the maze this maze called sexual urge yeah because it's actually crazy a lot of people don't know what to do with themselves and that's why you find the porn and whatever industry thriving and whatnot i'd say stay away from fornication the only context for sex as ordained by god is in marriage we know what we are doing we know when we are doing what is right and what is wrong so that's why i say it's a bit dicey it's, it's going to sound like moral and religious stuff but then we know what is obtainable and we know what is right we know it we can see it so maybe i should add that you you should always always starve the thoughts or starve that desire or something once you feel like hey hey be, 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 be. he's congee is doing you <laughs> get up pick your shirt wear your pants and get out by the time you reach main road it will come to you your brain will tell you now when you are seeing things happening on the road around you your, your brain will not have an erect not tell your dick to have an erection at that point in time so and you cannot, you will not like to be going about with something shooting in front of your trouser. If it's in the night, get up and go and have a cold bath and come back and see if you will not sleep. Yes, it's not easy sometimes, but we should try as much as possible to stick to what is right. In the eventful long run, it's going to be for our own good. Absolutely. Yo, bro. In as much as we know, in as much as me, I know that we have coconut head. All of us get coconut head. But the truth is, it's better to be safe than sorry. It's better to be safe than regret your actions, alright? So whatever you do, King, wisdom is profitable to direct, my guy. Big ups to Larry for being vulnerable and sharing his story. It was a tough conversation to have, but I really appreciate you, Larry. Thank you so much. This episode was produced and edited by my humble self, Femi Bakes. Big ups to Favo, Naima, Damilari, and Bology for always holding it down. Also, major shout out to Mayowa Oduwaye for helping structure this conversation. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, YouTube, Google Podcasts, the Podroom app, the Jamit app, and any of your favorite podcasting platforms, okay? Kindly like, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite podcasting apps. Give us a five star because it will help more people to be able to find this show. If you love us, please do this for us. This episode is meant for both the virgins and non-virgins, everybody literally. So kindly do us a favor by sharing to someone whom you know will get value from this episode. On all social media platforms, you can find us at letters underscore number two underscore 
boys with a Z. Abstinence is still the surest way to protect yourself from any form of STI or pregnancy scares or whatever can come from unprotected sex, right? Plus, don't forget to get yourselves tested if you're sexually active and you know that you're, they say, impure. Brothers, wisdom is profitable to direct. Use your head. And thanks for rocking with us. Letters to Boys Season 2 is produced with support from PRX and the Google Podcast Creator Program.